I first encountered the turbulent waters while a much younger man, sitting in with a band I had never played with before that night. Now that I'm starting to tell you about my journey, I can't say for certain where I'll be when the story finishes, for I haven't arrived there yet. But you'll see what I mean later, and you'll understand why I don't seem to know where I'm going at the moment, so bear with me, please. If I'm lucky, maybe I'll know where I'm going when I get there. Take it, Woody! Those words were music to my ears, but this gig hadn't started out so comfortably. All I have to do is close my eyes and I'm back in that moment, on stage in front of a sold-out house of 3,500 people, wanting desperately to be entertained so they can put their worldly troubles aside for a few hours. As luck would have it, the band's tenor player woke up that morning with a bad case of strep throat. He couldn't even swallow, let alone blow on his sacks. I got the call at 3 o'clock that afternoon, asking, no, begging me to sit in with the group for this show. Although I couldn't banish the recollection of Trumpet Man's story of sitting in with the Count so many years ago, I also knew that I couldn't turn down the opportunity presented to me. I admit to being nervous when we took to the stage at 8 p.m. sharp. It's funny, but as a kid, I never got nervous about performing, or anything else for that matter. Perhaps if I could have rehearsed with the band before stepping onto this stage, even for 10 or 15 minutes, I wouldn't have been trembling the way I was. But given the circumstances of my hiring, there was no time for rehearsal that afternoon, not even a dry run-through. I had the benefit of only the 30-minute sound check at 6 o'clock. If you've ever done a sound check, you know that it's not playtime. No, this is the only chance the sound engineer gets to test the PA system, properly place the microphones and speakers, balance the sound both in-house and on stage, and make sure the stage monitors are working without adding any dreaded feedback to the house mix. By 6.30, everyone else in the band was ready to chill out in the dressing room, secure in their comfort zone of camaraderie, either not realizing or not caring that I was on the verge of begging for a little rehearsal time to calm my pre-concert nerves. Don't get me wrong, I'd sat in with jazz groups in the past, often on short notice, but this night would be something very different. My first experience playing big band jazz. My first priority that night had been to focus on accurately sight-reading the arrangements so I wouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. The second priority had been trying to fit in with ten other instrumentalists who had been performing together for years and seemed able to read each other's minds on stage. The horn section was unbelievably well rehearsed and tight. Their phrasing was so musical and right on the money, and they were careful to cue me with knowing nods whenever necessary. Once I had made it into the second set, I started to feel in sync with everything going on around me. I could tell the band was waiting for me to bust loose. They'd heard me play before, to be fair, so they certainly knew I had the chops. 
Once fully settled into the groove of the show, I must admit that I hadn't had this much fun in a long time. This band was a cooking little machine. There we were, well into the final set, when the band leader took the microphone in hand to address the enthusiastic crowd. You've been a great audience tonight, and we've had a swingin' time playing for you. We'd like to close out the show with a song most of you have probably never heard, because it was composed way back before your grandparents were born. I guess I'm a sucker for old jazz standards, but before we stretch this one out, Put your hands together for our saxophonist for tonight's show, Woody Reed. The applause was scattered throughout the hall, understandable since I was only a stand-in who hadn't yet been offered the limelight. You may be wondering who this guy is. Well, Bobby, our regular sax man, came down sick this morning, and the only guy he would let us call to take his place at the last minute was Woody which is really saying something because we all know Bobby is the best of the best. I hadn't known Bobby had said that about me until I had just heard it with my own ears. If true, it was indeed a compliment of immense proportions. I knew Bobby, I'd heard him play, and he was indeed among the best around. Bobby told us to let Woody cut loose on this song, said he'd heard him play it before told me to warn you to hold on to your seats, so we're gonna feature the Woodman here on this old tune called Lush Life. I was in shock. Sure, I knew the song well. In fact, it's a song that held very special meaning for me. But the realization that I was about to be featured as the soloist fronting a band I'd never played with before that night got my knees knocking pretty badly. I had to remind myself that I was quite used to listening, then jumping in when ready. Even that process was different now that I had matured musically. No longer did I need an entire chorus to hear what was happening. It was instantaneous. I could jump in as I was listening, sensing exactly where the song was going before it ever had a chance to get there. seemed to sense that something special was about to take place as the arrangement built in intensity from chorus to chorus. I felt it too, like a bolt of lightning working up its electrical charge before exploding through the ozone when its energy could no longer be held at bay. I scanned my written part to see the words extended tenor solo, seeming to jump off the page. Okay, here we go. This was the moment jazz musicians spend a lifetime preparing for, the chance to step up and strut your stuff. And then I heard those words offered from behind me. Take it, Woody. 
The first few bars flowed out of my tarnished old saxophone as if without any conscious participation on my part. And soon my thoughts were streaming out in long, mellifluous phrases that I didn't even realize were within my mind until I had played them. By then, they were already a distant memory, now the foundation of what was yet to come. Behind me, though I couldn't see them, I could feel the rhythm section building with me as I achieved an emotional outpouring which I and everyone around me would likely remember for years to come. My heartbeat began to quicken, as did my breathing, and my fingers soon followed, flying through patterns that I had no advanced knowledge of. My eyes were closed tightly, yet I could see the pulsating red glow of the spotlights through my eyelids, and I began to experience the very strange sensation of thinking about two things simultaneously, the music I was playing, and my own reaction to the music I was playing, as if I was having a conversation with myself, within myself, without getting in the way of the emotions emanating from my horn. Strange, but as I was talking to myself about this experience, I was still building, striving, reaching, pushing, wailing to all who would listen. I had to remind myself to breathe, because unless I did, I'd surely have passed out. But the creative force within my mind had taken control and wouldn't let the vessel of my physical body take in the life-giving fresh air. Breathe, Woody, breathe! But no breath was to be allowed, and my lungs seemed about to burst at their seams, if such seams exist. The band was right there with me every step of the way, pushing me harder, higher, louder, frantically engulfing me within an ocean of pounding rhythm and a thunderous wave of pure adrenaline. The audience was up on its feet, jaws dropping in disbelief at what the people were seeing and hearing, urging me on to new heights. I couldn't see them, but I felt them, relishing the flood of notes cascading out of me faster than my mind could process in real time. And then, it happened.